if you would, to Job chapter 1 and uh, put your the ribbon from your Bible or a bulletin or something there and then turn to Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> we're going to start in Luke chapter 10 and then we're going to be in Job chapter 1. It was 20 years from the time I graduated high school to the time I took my first college class. And to be perfectly honest, in my life, I've taken a lot of tests. I uh, took tests for business, for you know, uh, as a contractor, uh, to be a state licensed contractor and, and um, <clears throat> all kinds of things. But I remember my first semester of college and the morning that my professor announced that it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. Y'all, those of you who have been in college know what I'm talking about. And <clears throat> he said, the next time the class meets, we're going we're, we're gonna, we're gonna to have a quiz. Well, I, I, I just wanted to fall right out of the chair. And that was a quiz. wasn't even a test. It was a quiz. And my very first quiz, I I wish somebody could have filmed it for me because it had to have been incredibly comical. I studied all night. I got no sleep. And I was, by morning, I was so tired, I made an entire pot of coffee. Do you know what happens when somebody who has no not slept drinks a pot of coffee? <laughs> I literally had to hold my hand with my other hand to to get it to write. I, I was shaken so bad. Between the caffeine, the exhaustion, and the fact that I was literally scared to death. No, that was later. Yeah, that was later. <clears throat> I, I failed every quiz my, the first half of my semester. It's over here, Larry. I, I saw it out. It's out in the aisle. Oh, not that one? Okay. <clears throat> I, I failed every quiz going into midterms. That's not good. I, I was, I was, I was, lit, had it not been for my wife threatening to kill me, I would have quit. She looked at me and she said, you did not move me. Oh, oh no, she was, she was, yeah, she was, she was yelling at me. You did not move me to North Carolina to quit. <laughs> and I, and I kept, I kept saying, I, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I'm. I, I just. I. I can't even pass a simple quiz. Well, I remember the taking my midterm, and <clears throat> I don't know if you remember this or not, but I got the. I. I it was on a Sunday. Uh, after church on Sunday, we went by the college, and I checked. We had these like mailbox things, <clears throat> and I checked my mail, and my test had had been returned to me. 
And I passed it. I don't remember what I got, but I passed it. I was so excited. I came running out of the, out of the we, we call it the breezeway. I come running, and I jumped over the hood of the car. Yeah, I was much younger then. That's probably why I'm having knee surgery soon. Um, <clears throat> but it was at that moment that something inside of me said, you, you can do it. <clears throat> but I can honestly say that the most difficult tests that I've taken in my life were not in a classroom. How many know what, know what I'm talking about? We've all had those tests. There are a few times in my life that I have felt like I had nowhere to go, no one to turn to, absolutely lost, and I I think y'all know what I'm talking about. I believe that God allows things like that in our lives to grow us, to stretch us, and to help us help others. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus giving a test, if you would, to the religious crowd. In Luke, chapter 10, hopefully you found it by now. If you haven't, just open your Bible and look like you found it. But in verses 25 and following, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and uh, thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself... now. Now, what, what do you think that that phrase means? Willing to justify himself. What do you think that means? Huh? Mm, okay, kind of, you know. All right, anybody else want to take a shot at it? Okay, making excuses, yeah. Right, okay. But he, willing to justify or to... What happens when a a child gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That 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 that. See 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 what what had Jesus done right here? He had peeled back a layer of this man's heart, and he saw that he was not worthy. 
So he was trying to justify his actions. And said, uh, said, and said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him <clears throat> and departed, leaving him half dead. <clears throat> Excuse me. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, uh, when he uh, was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan. Now, now let's stop right there. We, we have been, we've been introduced to four people so far. The, the guy who got beat up. The, uh, and and who, who is he? Okay, no. Okay, where is he coming from? Jerusalem. So, what can we presume his nationality to be? Okay, more than likely he's Jewish. Okay, who's the next character in verse 31? The priest. Then who? The Levite. Okay. Now, if anybody is going to help another Jew, who's it going to be? A Jew. Okay? The fourth person we are introduced to is uh, as a Samaritan. Who is the Samaritans? Okay, they, they, were, they were actually half, half Jew and half Gentile. And what was the opinion of the Jews toward the, toward the Samaritans? They were they were like dogs. They they hated each other. They hated each other. Now now get that. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he what? Had compassion on him. Had com- for lack of better terms, he had compassion on the enemy. And went to him and bound up his wounds and poured oil and, and wine and set him on his own ass and uh, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave uh, them to the host and said unto him, uh, uh, Take care of him and, whence thou, uh, and whatsoever thou spendest more, uh, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou uh, <clears throat> uh, was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? In verse 37, this young man comes face to face with his own life. He said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. The tests of life can sometimes be difficult, can they not? And as we <clears throat> uh, go through life, oftentimes we are presented with situations that will uh, uh, force us into a non-comfort zone, if you would. Now, what did Jesus here 
what what was what was what is so significant about this story in the life of this young lawyer? Okay. In verse 31, we see a priest. In verse 32, we see a Levite. Can anybody tell me what the title was for the religious lawyers of the day? Scribes. So this young man talking to Jesus, if he was not a scribe, he was in training to be a scribe. So what is what is he doing? He's pointing his, his finger at a religious young man and saying, it's all about one thing, this thing right here. See, your priest failed the test. Your Levite failed the test. But you're a lawyer of the law. And what did Moses teach us in the law? To love thy neighbor. See, the priest and the Levite probably justify their actions because he's not my neighbor. Why should I take care of him? My, I, I know what my neighbor lives, looks like, and that's not it. But what was Jesus trying to communicate? We live in a world full of neighbors, do we not? And it's easy sometimes for us to justify our actions and, and not go out soul winning and not go and tell people at the grocery store and not do the things that we need to do because you know what they're not my neighbor i hey i i live between two people one won't talk to me because he's a cranky old man and hates my dog and he <laughs> i thought he was going to have a meltdown sarah got into his yard little old sarah and he's having a meltdown okay okay it's okay and, and over on the other side, I've tried to witness to him on multiple occasions. So does my, does my, does my responsibility end there? No. no. Turn over, if you would, to the book of Job, <clears throat> chapter 1. We have spent, I don't know, five or six weeks already in the book of Job, and we are just too... Verse 13 of chapter 1. <laughs> there is a lot in this book. And God has just opened this book up to us. And, and I, I, I trust it has been a blessing to you. <clears throat> the title of the message that I want to teach is The Test Begins. The Test Begins. Now, I wish that God would email us every time we are about to go through a test. Wouldn't that be nice of him? I mean, hey, I'd even, I'd even take a text. You, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, you know, hey, get, get, get ready. It's coming. But that's not how it happens, is it? Let's start reading in verse 13. And there was a day when his son, <coughs> excuse me, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in, in their uh, elder brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding uh, beside them. 
and the uh, the Sabians, <coughs> excuse me, fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they uh, have slain the, uh, the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the, and, and the servants and consumed them. And I, only I, and only I <clears throat> alone, uh, escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out uh, made uh, out three bands and fell upon the camels and have their uh, have carried them away yea and slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee while he was yet speaking there came another uh, also another and said thy sons and thy and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell up, uh, upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture and the test now that Job is uh, embarking on. We ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would give us wisdom and help us, dear God, to uh, learn and apply these truths in our own lives. Lord, help us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to. I want to make a little side. A little side comment here. Um, uh, the the next time you feel sorry for yourself, don't. Okay, uh, you know one of the things that, as a pastor, uh, <clears throat> it is it it never ceases to amaze me um, what some people are going through. I, I, I'm just being honest. I, I I know there are people in this in this building right here right now that are dealing with some really really tough things. Um, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But the reality is there's always somebody who's got it a little bit worse. And when you're in the midst of that, it's hard to look outside of that and see that. But the reality is there's a lot of hurting people in this world. It's really that simple. The first thing I want to talk about is the, the, the uh, point number one is the waves, the waves of news. And I use the word wave here on purpose because <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have been ever stupid enough to go swimming in the ocean. <clears throat> but when I was a young man, I was probably 16 or 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, me and some buddies were out playing around Huntington Beach, California. And we were out kind of deep, and a wave got a hold of me and took me down. And I'll tell you what, it, 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 
to this day, I don't know how I survived. And that was just one wife. Can you imagine, can you imagine the all-encompassing feeling of these waves coming into the life of Job. I have a picture here for you. <clears throat> I have this I have this picture in my office at, at my house, and I will oftentimes just sit and stare at it. Can can you can you all see the, the guy standing in the doorway? <clears throat> I I love this picture because at least in my life when when things look like they're out of control this guy is standing there he's got his hands in his pocket he's just standing there no big deal because he's in the safety of the lighthouse i i, I just I, I can i can just sit and stare for for hours sometimes at this picture and god just the, just reassures me that as the waves are breaking he's got it he's still in control and i can't i cannot help but wonder how job felt Wave number one, his servant comes to him. In wave number one, his, his oxen and his asses and, and the servants that were watching them and working them were gone. And I started thinking about it and I thought, okay, so, okay. You know, I, I could see, you know, I don't know, Job going, oh man, that's, that's horrible. But it, it dawned on me. The oxen were working the fields. Now, you got to understand, Job was a very wealthy man and had a lot of servants. And how, how, how did he feed his servants? In the very fields that the oxen were working. So not only did he lose the oxen and the asses, but now all of a sudden, you know, I, I, again, I'm imagining, you know how your brain works, just things popping in his mind. He's like, okay, where am I going to get the grain for next year? Where am I going to get the corn? You know, and, and all of these things start to roll in his head. And then the idea of losing servants. Job, from what we can tell, was a compassionate man. And some of these servants had to be close friends of his. And they're gone. Can you imagine the, and, and, and we've all been there, when, when bad news comes, our, our mind just starts spinning and we start to think of things and, and things are popping and rolling and, and all of this stuff going through his head. And as the one servant <clears throat> is, is, is just finishing, the second servant comes and says, oh, and by the way, your sheep and your servants are gone. By a great fire. And <clears throat> I did some studying and about the only thing I can come up with is a lightning storm of some sort or 
uh, some theologians kind of throw out maybe a volcano or something. But anyway, some kind of natural disaster came along. And again, his servants. They, again, these, these had to be people that Job knew. But what about his sheep? What, what, do, what do sheep represent? <laughs> Other than being dumb, yeah. <clears throat> well, what do they, seriously, what do they represent? Wool. Clothing. What, and, and, and Jews, it was a main uh, a food source for them. Okay, sacrifice, everything. So now, so now it, this is a, an incredible source of revenue that Job is now out. Plus, again, another another food source to feed his servants and his household. Wave number three comes, and his camels are gone, and those servants are gone. Again, it had to have been a crushing blow. You know, again, he, he had to know these guys. Now, what were camels used for? Traveling. But more specifically, in this era, what were they used for? They were beasts of burden for the most part. And, and for, <laughs> I started thinking about it, he was probably in the caravan industry. Or the modern-day trucking industry. Okay, chances are really, really good that when his camels were taken, guess what else was taken? All the the goods and the produce and the and the and the wool and you know everything else, whatever's being transported. So not only did he lose friends, but now he's broke. He he's he is flat busted. Everything's gone. Every source of revenue that he has is gone. And then wave number four. The worst yet. His family's gone. And again, more servants. In a matter of minutes. Everything, everything he's worked for is gone. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine the grief that gripped his heart. The waves, the waves. Four, four incredible waves that just absolutely engulfed every emotion that Job had. Everything was gone. Look at point number two. Job's reaction. Look at verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. 
before we talk about what Job did, I want to talk about what Job didn't do. Okay? He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He didn't blame God or what we would 21st century America call blame shift. He didn't get angry. He didn't stand there and say, why me? Why not, why not Brandon? He deserves it. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. See, it's important oftentimes because we read this and we say, oh, wow, look, at, look how he reacted. Wow, that's really cool. But we stop to realize, is that how we react? Most of us react in the way that he didn't react. And y'all know what I'm talking about. C.S. Lewis was once asked the question, why should the righteous suffer? And is that, that's a legitimate question, is it not? And he said, and, and I, I, I love his response, by the way. He, he said, he said well, the question was, why should the, the righteous <clears throat> suffer? And he looked at the individual and says, why not? They are the one, only ones that can really handle it. Or, let me add, should be able to handle it. Let's look at what he did. First off, he ran his mantle. Got another, got another picture for you. <clears throat> I had to get this picture. Did anybody know who that, where this is from? Yeah, it's from the movie. Uh, Char- that's Charlton Heston. And hey, and quiz here, answer quiz, quiz, quiz. Question number one: uh, Does does Moses really look like Charlton Heston? Absolutely, he does. Yeah, I mean, when you get to heaven. Charlton Heston, Moses, yeah, they're twins. Yeah, okay. Just, <laughs> but anyway, I, I wanted, the, 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 the reason I picked this picture was, was because of what, what, is, what is he wearing? The red, the red thing with the white stripes. Okay, it's a mantle or a cloak, okay? Now, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I did some study, and what started out <clears throat> in history to be just like a, a, um, a cape of sorts uh, actually ended up becoming a symbol of authority. And what would end up happening was when, well, let's go to Elijah and Elisha. What happened when Elijah went up in a fiery chariot? Okay. <clears throat> Elisha picked up his cloak then symbolizing to everybody who he would then see that he was... Exactly. Okay? So, symbolically here, Job tears or rents his mantle. Why? Well, okay, for one thing, renting clothing for a Jew is a sign of, of deep mourning, okay? <clears throat> but why the mantle? 
And I started thinking about this, and I, and I thought, there was nobody to pass the family to because all his children were dead. Can you imagine the symbolism of, the, of renting the mantle? The last thing in the world that Job would have wanted to destroy was the very thing he destroyed in his grief. Why? Because anybody who's ever had a child, particularly a son, in that, in that day, wanted to pass the family, because the, 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 the patriarchal thing, would have, he would have passed the mantle down to his eldest son. An incredible picture of the, of the deep agony that Job was in. The other thing he does is he shaves his head. Now, <clears throat> this, why shaving his head? If you, if you read through Scripture, what happened oftentimes when a Jew wanted to show grief? They put ashes on their head. Very seldom do you see them actually shave their head. But again, this is a symbol of incredible deep grief. Now, let me ask a question. Is it wrong to grieve? No. No. If anything, it's just the opposite. It is healthy to grieve. Then what does he do? He fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He defaulted to the thing that he did best. Think about this. As I, I, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent here. God, when I started thinking about this and working through it, I thought, oh, my soul. Because I'll be honest with you. My default mechanism when somebody makes me mad is not to go worship God. Just saying. Now, you may be more spiritual than me, and I hope you are. But praising the Lord and worshiping God usually come later. And shame on me. Shame on us. What is your default mechanism when the waves of grief just overwhelm your soul? What is your default mechanism? Do you get angry? Do you do you do you do you uh, <clears throat> blame others? Do you, you you know? I mean, the list can go on and on and on. You, do you whine and complain and and do all these things? I don't know. But Job's default mechanism was he he grieved, which is healthy, and then he worshipped God. Point number three, very quickly. Let's look at Job's worship in verse twenty-one. And Job arose and. Or, or, or excuse me, in verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of uh, my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job does three things here. The first thing he does is he looks backwards. 
And he says, he says, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Basically, what Job is saying is, hey, I came into this world with nothing. Everything that I have acquired from that point to this point was a gift from God. Everything. It was all his. And Job understood that all he was was a steward of what God had given him. I read a story recently about a a very rich man who was dying and he was in he was in his bedroom getting ready to die and the only person in the bedroom with him was was his lawyer. And and the greedy family was standing outside the door. It sounds more like a movie than a story. But all the all the greedy grandkids and kids and everybody is standing outside the door and and then finally the door opens and the lawyer walks out and and everybody wants to ask the question. And finally, one of the more greedier of the grandkids pipes up and says, did he leave anything? And the lawyer looked at him and he said, he left everything. Let that sink in. He left it all. He can't take it with him. Now, I don't know the story. I I wish I could have continued to read the story, but I I hope that that little creep didn't get anything. (laughs) (laughs) or or he gave him a dollar or something, you know. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain. And the word certain there, a little Greek lesson here. You know what that word certain means? Certain. Certain. Without a doubt. Uh, You can carry nothing out. The second thing he does is he says, he, he says, <clears throat> naked shall I return. So here he is, he's looking back and he's saying, you know, basically he's acknowledging that, hey, I had nothing anyway. And now he's looking toward his death. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? He had nothing to fear. He had nothing to fear. Hey, he just lost everything. What was he saying? It's okay. It was just stuff. Then he says, you know what? I'm I'm looking forward. I've got nothing to fear. And then finally, he looked up and he says, God gave, or excuse me, and the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What an incredible statement. What an incredible statement. After getting all of this news, just wave after wave after wave of just incredibly saddening news. He was able to worship. And these words that he says here in verse 21 are so precious. They have been quoted for centuries by saved and unsaved people alike. Think about this. 
in the midst of a trial, can you say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, I've tried it and it's hard. Point number four, and we'll be done. God's opinion of Job's worship. You know, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter when you think about it. It really doesn't matter what we think of verse 21. But it does matter what God thinks. Look at verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You know, I, I started to try and expand on verse 22, and I can't. What do you say? All of this, all of this information, all of this sadness, all of this grief, I can honestly say, I, and, and I, again, I'm, being, I'm just being transparent here, I can honestly say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't think that that verse would have been written had that been Rick and not Job. Because I'm not sure, I don't know that I could have reacted the way he did. But it all goes back to one really super important thing. What is your default mechanism when bad things happen? That is the thing that God God just beat that into my head as I was studying for this. Rick, what is your default? What do you default to when you get angry? What or no, let me no, because no, let me rephrase that. What do you what do you default to when things don't go your way? Do you get angry? Or do you worship? Do you blame shift or do you worship? Do you whine and complain or do you worship? And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like what I saw. And if you're honest, chances are you don't either. Job, what is the one thing that separated Job? Why did did God say, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Why did he say that? Because he knew his default mechanism. How do, you, how do you default? How do you react to bad news? I hope, I hope and pray that it's worship. Let's pray. Dear Lord, and